0: you so much ladies appreciate it amen first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness isn't that a blessing thank god for the blood
1: Uh, we have pastor williams preaching this morning some weeks back i asked
0: him to be ready to preach on this sunday morning and uh you know he's been with us 10 years now faithful usually preaches when I'm not here
1: or if I'm sick, and but every once in a while, I like for him to preach. He does a, a Wednesday series each year, and so this Sunday morning, I'm glad that Pastor Williams is preaching for us. You come ahead, brother. Here's your microphone. Let's pray for him, okay? All right. What it is, is he tried to offend everyone last week, and it didn't work, so he figured he'd bring me in to finish the job. And... uh kind of pick up where we left off so uh, anyhow we'll do our best um, to be highly offensive and whatnot this morning. Um, I uh, forgot to tell preacher about another balloon that came in. I just got an email. I was telling Brother Everett uh, this morning it uh, was found in Akron, Ohio and so pray that more of those balloons went down there because we know them people need Jesus (laughs) in Ohio. (laughs) We're starting off all right. <laughs> anyhow, I don't even want to score for that one, Brother Coffee. That was good right there. I don't care who you are. No, he said if it had went a few more miles west, it would have landed in LeBron James uh, uh, yard. So that would have really helped. Um, anyhow, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter forty-eight. And uh, I know this is grandparents' Sunday. And I know absolutely nothing about being a grandparent, so I'm going to pre- preach on being a grandparent. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I really don't. I'm, I'm not a grandparent um, yet. Hopefully one day if my children make it through uh, my parenting, I'll get that blessing. You know, the, the reason grandparents and grandkids get along so well is they have a common enemy. Um, that that's very true um, my uh, my grandmother uh my my two boys uh Titus is named Titus Matthew Williams and Silas is named Silas Turner uh Williams and uh they are both named after my maternal grandfather so my mother's father and uh his name was Turner uh Walter Matthews and so we took and we switched and uh but he he was my One of my greatest influences in my life. My grandmother was my greatest enabler in my life. Uh, She would, um, uh, Miss Linda, she was the nursery coordinator for over 30 years at a a church that ran 2,500. And uh, they they had several nurseries. They had a nursery for every six months, I think. Uh, And I, I remember going in there, and that's what she did. That was her ministry. And uh, she uh, she was they even put a plaque up uh, in her honor Sue Matthews uh, anybody that could, could coordinate a nursery for that long uh, was probably crazy, um, <laughs> but she uh, she would uh, when we would go to her house uh, she would always have candy uh, available and not like chocolate it was that hard candy that melted there that, that melted to one big piece. It was like the the mints and the the, the ribbon candy and stuff like that. I I remember that. But I can remember getting in trouble often. And uh, she would uh, bring me food when I would get in trouble at the dinner table. I'd get sent away and my grandmother would wrap food in napkins and put it in her pocket and bring it to me in my room uh, uh, so my parents wouldn't know. And uh, my mom, uh, when I was born, uh, for the first uh, four or five years of my life, we lived in Orlando, Florida, where my dad was assistant pastor. And uh, it was at the church that my grandparents went to and and worked at, uh, where she was nursery coordinator. And um, I can remember, uh, I I can't remember, I've been told the story uh, that prior to my mom being willing to give me solid food, she came home one day to find my grandmother babysitting me, feeding me carrots and uh, just giving me things I was not supposed to have. And that is what a grandparent is. They're the one that gives their grandchildren the things they are not supposed to have. Uh, my, my dad, uh, of course he's the grandfather of my children, and he gives Titus things that he should not have. Uh, fishing lures with massive hooks in them that he encourages him to cast out of a boat that I'm in. And <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Dad, don't give him that. He's going to hook me in the eye, and then where will I be? And so um, those are just some fond memories I have. But my, my grandfather was, uh, I remember him as, man, I don't know, uh, seven, eight, nine years old. He worked. Uh, he was over the maintenance at the church that they went to, and that, that was, he was full-time there, uh, or as much full-time as that they could uh, pay him. And I remember being with him, uh, oftentimes, uh, I, this was a foretelling of prophecy, stacking tables and moving chairs. <laughs> As a young, young man with my grandpa. But I, I remember him uh, so many times working around the church and doing things and, and his pastor would ask him to do this. And he did it willingly. And uh, he was a great influence in my life in that. Uh, although I do know that we will never have a fountain in the front of our church, because I remember helping him clean the fountain they had in their church. I said, I will never do this again, so don't worry about that. We will never have a fountain in front of the church because of uh, my preconceived notions about that. But Genesis chapter 48 is where we want to find our text this morning. We want to look at a grandfather uh, in, in the man of Jacob. And of course, most of us here, if you have read uh, any, any part of your Bible, you'll find the name Jacob throughout the Bible. But here in Genesis chapter 48, uh, we're coming down to the end of Jacob's life. And we want to look at a few things here, if we can, for just a few moments, and uh, we'll be done. Uh, had a good day yesterday. Uh, the, the Georgia Bulldogs beat the Notre Dame Irish. So that was a wonderful day to see the Baptists beat the Catholics. So we will try to beat them to the buffet again this morning. So some of you didn't get that. Give it a few moments and it's what we call trickle-down economics. It's the same thing with humor. Um, It'll get there eventually. Genesis chapter 48 and we'll find our our passage in verse number one. It says, and it came to pass uh, after these things that one told Joseph, behold, thy father is sick, And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee. And I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee in Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou shalt beget us after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after thy name of their brethren in their inheritance. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath. And I buried her there in the way of Ephrath in the same is bethlehem and israel beheld joseph's sons and said who are these then joseph said unto his father they are my sons whom god hath given me in this place and he said bring them i pray thee unto me and i will bless them and, and that's that's kind of the key phrase there that we want to look at he says i will bless them so remember that, if you would. In verse number 10, we'll read on. It says, Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age that so they could not see, and he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel, which is the name that Jacob was given by God, said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. You know, I, I just just a sub-note sub right here, step away for a moment. You know, isn't that how it is when you become a grandparent? I'm not a grandparent yet, but you never really expect that moment until it's there. Uh, I'm busy raising my kids. I have no thoughts about being a grandparent, but my dad loves being a grandparent, and he never thought he'd make it because he really never thought that I'd ever get married and have kids. But isn't that amazing that God would give us the ability not just to have children, but to have grandchildren Uh, which from what I've heard are way better than children. So uh, in verse number 12, it says, And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand, toward Israel's right, and brought them near unto him. And then I want to skip down just a a few verses. Well, look in verse number 15. It's important. It says, And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life, Uh, "...long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, blessed the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he moved his father's hand to remove it uh, from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said... I know it, my son, I know it. And he shall also, or he also shall become a great people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In these shall Israel be blessed, or in thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you, and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. But really in verse number nine, we find kind of the the springboard from which we will preach this morning. He says, bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Here Jacob is handing down a heritage. He's handing down a heritage to his grandchildren. And what kind of, legacy, what kind of heritage are we handing down, not just as a parent, but as a grandparent. Uh, my grandfather uh, was one of the biggest influences in my life as far as a Christian influence. Uh, he influenced me in my music. Uh, I, I love the, the music, the Christian music I love today because of the influence of my grandfather. I, I, I believe the service uh, the, the, the willingness not to, to, to boast or anything, but I saw it in him. I saw it in him. And so what kind of heritage are we handing down? Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll preach this morning for a little bit, and uh, we'll be done on handing down a heritage. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, and Lord, we thank you that, uh, number one, you've given us this reward that you call children, dear God, but then even more so, you allow us as you did Jacob, to see uh, even grandchildren, dear God, and, and not just to see them, but to have a very bold influence in their lives, uh, that they might be influenced, not just physically, dear God, but spiritually for you. Be with us, we pray, and we will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what we find here, you know, is interesting, I was studying uh, for this message, and uh, Ruth chapter 4 and verse number 13, talking about uh, Boaz and Ruth, and we know the story of Naomi and, and Ruth and, and Boaz and how Naomi lost her husband, she lost her sons. Uh, Ruth was widowed at a young age, but they come back to the land of, of uh, Israel and she marries Boaz. And of course, God blesses them uh, with a child. And it was interesting to me in, in Ruth chapter 4 and verse number 15 that the ladies of Israel are talking to Naomi, who had changed her name to Mara, which means bitter, Why? Because she was bitter in spirit for what she had gone through. But here we find they're talking to Naomi and they call her Naomi. And they said, he shall be talking about her grandson unto thee a restorer of thy life. And so often you see in the lives of grandparents that those grandchildren bring about a new kind of happiness. a, A new kind of joy. I mean, talking about Brother Miss Halstead back here, just the beaming uh, on their faces with that, that little baby. I mean, yes, it's great to the parents to have that child, but the grandparents, I don't know what it is, they are just enjoying that, being able to see uh, not just their kids, but their children's children. And so, you know, it, it, is, it is a very touching very touching thing to see in the life uh, of those folks when they get older and they begin to have grandchildren. But what we find here, what is interesting in, in this passage here in Genesis chapter 47, if you look, a few verses prior to what we just read in chapter 47, or chapter 47, verse 27, it says, Israel dwelt in the land that is speaking of Jacob. And it says, in the country of Goshen, they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied. It says, and Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of, of Jacob was 147 years. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray, thee thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me, and bury me not, I pray, thee, in, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, this is Joseph speaking, I will do as thou hast said. And it says in verse number 31, he said, Swear unto me, and he swear unto him, and Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. So Israel here is asking Joseph, we see what I like to call in, in this passage, we go from chapter 47 to uh, chapter 48, a very poignant moment in the, in the life of Jacob and Joseph, a very touching interaction here between these two, And we see proper reverence given to Jacob by Joseph. What is lacking in our society today is proper respect, proper reverence given to those that are aged, those that are older. The Bible says, you say, well, it's not, you know, we we should expect it, we should give it. It's not just that, it's because the Bible says it should be done. And it says in Leviticus chapter 19, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, that is someone who it has, has gray hair, white hair, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God, I am the Lord. So we see Joseph here, he is honoring his father by doing his wishes, taking care of his last will and testament, so to speak, but then in chapter 48, when he hears that he is sick, he comes to him, and, and though he is a man of honor and business, and no doubt busy taking care of the land of Egypt, he was second in command, after all, he had things going on, he took time to respect his father. To respect his father and to show that proper reverence. And so often we don't see these touching moments until this time of nearing of death. You know, we we see that he is sick. Joseph comes. But the Bible tells us over and over again in Exodus and Deuteronomy and Ephesians, Honor thy father and thy mother. And it says in Ephesians, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. God has promised us long days if we'll do that. But we ought to do it. Why? Because God said to do it. And so honor thy father and thy mother. Show the proper reverence to those that are older. You know, we're going to go to the nursing home today and minister there. And sadly, there will be a host of people there in that nursing home whose families have not visited them in a long time. They they have not been there. Why? Because they're too busy. Uh, You know, as parents often say, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. We forget what they have done for us, and we forget to reverence them. And so I appreciate Joseph here. He comes not just at the last time, but we see before and before and before. Once he found out where his father was, he sent, as Brother Dewey preached, those wagons of grace he sent to bring him to the land of Goshen. He honored, he reverenced, he took care of his father. He took care of his father. We should respect them because of who they are, the position that they hold in our lives. Uh, But uh, not only that, but they earn respect. Uh, In Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 31, it says, The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. There's a a lot of older people we respect because of their age, but outside of that respect, they're not living a life of righteousness that can be respected. Don't be... That kind of age person. I'm not going to say old, because that just seems wrong. And, you know, but the crown of glory, it, it, that's why I always stand when Brother Cow comes up to sing. The hoary head that's in a crown. I thought of that one a long time ago. I've been holding that one, waiting. In Titus chapter 2 and in verse number 1 it says, But speak thou of things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men... Be sober. That's not that, that's talking about being serious, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. So the aged men, they're to be this way. Why? To teach the younger. To teach the younger. And then it goes on, it says uh, that the, the, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, serious, to love their husbands, to love their children. We, we are facing a dearth in America of older people who are willing to teach younger people what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to live. Instead of encouraging them in their life, they just get enraged at their life, and they get mad and yell at them, stay off their lawn. That's not what we need in America today. We need some older, well-established Christian people who are willing to say, hey, you're doing wrong. It says there that the women in behavior, uh, hey, you're acting the fool. That the men be grave and say, hey, you know, "I, I have needed this in my life. You're acting like an idiot. Stop. I had one guy ask me, what is wrong with you? I don't know. If I knew, I would fix it. But, where are we today? Yes, we respect them because of their age, but more than that, I want to respect them because of their reputation, because of their testimony. And so, do we show proper reverence, especially showing proper reverence where reverence is due? Chapter 48, verse number 11. It's interesting as we go through this, this chapter, we find here, In Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. And so I find here that Jacob starts into a portion of scripture here where he remembers providence of God. Providence is remembered by Jacob. He's recounting before his sons and his grandsons the goodness of the God that he has followed. Uh, not only should the older folks be teaching the younger folks about how they should do, but recount where God has been in our lives about what he has done for us. We hear about the pills that were taken. We hear about, you know, I, I go places sometimes with Pastor Brown and my father-in-law. And, and I hear about the aches, the knees. The, the, and, I, and I think to myself, I'm not looking forward to getting old. But then they'll transition. And, and my father-in-law will say something about the, the goodness of God and his family. And Preacher will mention the goodness of God in his family, and how God is using them in foreign countries. And, and, and you know, yeah, we're going to have those, those, those aches and those pains, but those are physical. Those are physical. What about the spiritual goodness of the God? You know, Jacob here mentions over and over again that it was the God of his fathers. Not just Isaac, but his grandfather, Abraham. And it had been passed down to him, and passed down to, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph, and now to Manasseh and Ephraim, who had become great nations. Why? Because of the heritage that started great, great, great grandfather ago. And it was handed down each time, but he remembers the providence of God. We see here the mention of God. Uh, and, and his goodness, we don't see the mention, you know, he, he doesn't talk about Joseph being taken out of his life. It's just as interesting to see what the Bible says as to what it doesn't say sometimes. He's not recounting bitter experiences in his life. He's talking about the goodness of God. You get around some older folks today and all you hear is bitterness and, and, and where they've been hurt and what they haven't had. Instead of the fact that, hey, God has blessed me, and prospered me, and brought me, and I'm still here and able to serve God. And so we see providence remembered in Lamentations chapter 3. Jeremiah writes, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. He says, I recall, I remember what God has done, and I have hope. You want to give your grandchildren hope? Remind them of what God has done in your life. So that they can then, I, I remember my, my grandparents, and they they had absolutely nothing. They were uh, born pre-depression, they grew up in the depression. My, my grandfather fought in World War II. He came from one of, I think, 17 kids on a dirt farm. and I mean, when he went into the Navy, uh, it was the first time that he had underclothes. I mean, they just, they had nothing, but I would never have known it because of their generosity with being willing to give us so much. He put me through flight school. He bought me my first car, a Camaro, red. That's why I love him so much. I mean, he, he, he gave me so much in our relationship, but... But what he left me is beyond. I don't have that Camaro anymore. But I have the memory of his generosity and what he did for God. So we see here, providence remembered in his life. First Chronicles tells us, remember his marvelous works that he hath done and his wonders. You know, it's a wonder that he saves us. I mean, Honestly. God saves us. He keeps us. He he promotes us beyond anything that we could be on our own. What a good God we serve. Psalms chapter 77, uh, Psalm of Asaph, he says here in verse number 6, he says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I mean, he says, "I, I remember, and then he goes and he says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Not just what he's doing for me right now, but what he has done for me and what he has done for my family. There are many people that I owe a great debt to, not because they uh, did something for me directly, but I recall Dallas McLaurin, a deacon and a 6th grade Sunday school teacher who stayed after my dad to stay in church and to be faithful. And because of that, he became a pastor. And he married my mom. And then they were abundantly blessed with their firstborn. So you can thank them for me being here. We see, it, it's not just what God's doing right now. What has He done that we don't even know about? That is in the, so far in the past that we can't even tell till we get to heaven. So He remembers the providence. And then we see a patriarch's message as Jacob speaks to them here. In verse number 16, it's interesting to find that he promises them, he says, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. It's a promise of redemption. He's saying, hey, the the same one that has been with me can be with them. You know, the wonderful thing about salvation is Jesus Christ said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. There is no elect. In salvation. There is no particular one. He says, whosoever will may come. And Jacob's saying, hey, the same God that has redeemed me and protected me and been with me can be their God too, if they choose. If they choose. You know, over in uh, Paul writes that we should adorn the doctrines of Christ. The word adorn there means to... To make them pretty, so to speak. Uh, We get up in the morning, we take a shower, we do the best we can to make ourselves pretty, to go out into the world. And what he's talking about there is why would somebody want what I have in Christ? How am I adorning that doctrine? Are we making it pretty or are we making it petty? Uh, are, are, we, are we making God look good? Jacob here, he's recounting the wonderful... He's not telling about all the, the, the storms and the trials and the fact that Joseph's brothers took him and, and threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery and lied to their dad. No. He's adorning the doctrine and saying, Hey, I was redeemed and you can be too. You know, so often you see, especially in churches, you see a generational shift as we go further from the first generation Christian in a family. You'll see a first generation Christian who is sold out for God. You'll see a second generation Christian who is there for God. And a lot of times you get to the third generation and they don't want nothing to do with God. It's sad. But somewhere in there, we lost the spirit of God. And it became just what we do. We go to church. Why? What's here that, I remember I had a lady ask me, why why would I come to your church? I've never had anyone ask me that before. It set me back on my heels. Why should she come to our church? What's different in here than out there? So we see here that the message of Jacob to his sons and to his sons' sons is a promise of redemption. You can have more than what Egypt is offering you. You've got to remember these boys were born and raised in Egypt, which is the prototypical illustration of the world in the Bible. We're bringing children into the world. And we have to show them why Christ is better than the world. And and if the parents fail to do it, there should be a grandparent there to do that job. And, And so we see that he says, hey, this promise of redemption, promise of redemption. And then in verse number 15, we see, uh, he said, and he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers and Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. There's a promise of remaining. He says, uh, you know, the Bible tells us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jesus Christ saves us. He comes into us. He he puts his his spirit as a seal upon us. And it remains there till we're called home. And, and, you know, in this passage here we find Jacob, he's telling him, hey, God has been with me all my life, and he's fed me. David said, I have been young and am now old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God's never failed. He's never fallen. He's never fell asleep on us and said, oh, I forgot to feed them today. He's never done that. And Jacob is telling him, hey... There's a promise from God that He will be with you. What better promise can we have than that He will be with us? What is the vow that we make in marriage that we will be together the rest of our lives? Why is that important? Because that's what the relationship is built upon, being together. And God says, you are so important to me that if you accept my Son as your Savior, I will be with you Forever. Forever. And, and as your child will ask you, when does that end? Never. Or when is forever end? Never. It continues on and on and on. I mean, that's the promise of God remaining with us. He says, I'll be with you. You know, in Hebrews chapter uh, 13 and verse number 5, uh, five he says... We mentioned, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In verse number six, he says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He's with me. He'll never leave me. And he's always willing to help me. In Sunday school this morning, we taught, we're going through a series on consider Christ. Consider Christ. Because that's what every Christian needs to do when we wake up in the morning is consider Christ. And that'll set the tone for our day. So often we get up and we consider ESPN or Fox News or Instagram or Facebook or or we consider whatever there else is that consumes us and we forget to consider Christ first. But we're talking about storms. Talking about storms. And the presence of God, talking about uh, Jesus going across the Sea of Galilee with His disciples, they had Jesus in the boat. So everything should be fine, right? No storm's going to come when Jesus is in the boat. The presence of God in our lives does not mean we will be able to get around storms and trials in our life. The presence of God means that we can go through them and make it out on the other side. And our boats still be floating. I was watching pictures of that hurricane as it's it's moving through and coming up the the coast of Florida. And there's boats that are tied to a dock and yet they're sunk. They're full of water. They ain't going to be no good to nobody. We could be tied to a dock. We could be out on the high seas. We could be anywhere we want to be. If God's in our boat, we ain't going to sink. And so he has promised us that he will remain with us. And Jacob is trying to encourage his son and his grandsons to, Hey, he's been with me all my days. And he's going to be with you all your days. If you'll follow him. So we see a promise of remaining. And then we see here a powerful mandate. Jacob now turns from... Remembering and, and encouraging them to bequeathing things to them. That, you know, I, I remember when my grandfather passed away, it's been, I was just thinking, uh, he passed away 19 years ago. I, I, I remember uh, I was working, I was working with State Patrol at that time, and I was on midnight shift, and uh, I was about 20 years old. Um, but, you know, he gave pretty much everything he had to me, because I was his favorite. I mean, we'll be honest, I was. It's uh, just the way it is. Um, I was his oldest grandchild, and I was a grandson, and we, we, we have a very similar personality. If, if you knew my grandfather, you would see why I am the way I am. So, um, but he bequeathed, he gave I, I, so many different things, but uh, the coin collection that Titus Drools over now. Uh, He gave me that. Uh, He gave me some guns. He he gave me all these different things. He bequeathed them to me. Uh, He he left them to me. Uh, Why? Because he loved me. uh, Because he wanted me to have them. They were were special to him, and so he, he passed them on to me. But it's interesting in this passage of Scripture. He is telling them about a land that they've never been to. He's telling them about a bequeathment that they have never seen. And he is telling them how wonderful it's going to be. But what's interesting too, in verse number 16, it says, The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Now catch this phrase. And let my name be named on them. There is a possession being bequeathed here, but there's a new designation For these boys. Jacob is not designating them as Joseph's sons. He is taking them as his sons. You know, 30 some odd years ago, I was born to Rick Williams. But 20 some odd years ago, I was born again to Jesus Christ. And I got a new name in glory. I got a new designation given to me for a possession I've never seen. Whom having not seen, you love. In Genesis chapter 32, and it's interesting, he says, my name will be upon them. And we read here, he's called Jacob and Israel, Jacob and Israel, but he's remembered throughout the word of God, as Israel says in chapter number 32, verse number 28 he says, and he said, thy name should be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Now, this is the name that he's given to these boys. For as a prince thou hast power with God. He said, Joseph, you gave birth to these boys in this world, but I'm taking that name away and giving them my name that has power with God. Think about that for a minute. The name my daddy gave me is Jeremiah Williams. The name my Savior gave me, I don't know yet. but when I go boldly before that throne of grace, he knows it, and he recognizes it and it has what power with God. Power with God. a new designation before God. And then not only that, but he gives him a new destination. Not only did Jacob give him a new name to be known by, but he gave him a new destination to hope for. He instructed them uh, about a place for which he had fought. I got a home that's coming that I didn't have to do nothing for. Jacob says there in verse number 22, he says, Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. He's given them a place for which he had fought, and a place that was great worth to him. And it's interesting John chapter 4 you find a little bit more about this place. It's a well, a place of refreshing that he had fought for. We live down here in this dirty world but Jesus Christ has fought for us a place of refreshing. Or one day we will go with hope. And it'll change our entire life if we'll accept that destination. It was a possession from battle. You only normally fight for that which is worth fighting for. Second Samuel, we find uh, one of the mighty men of David, Shammah, says he stood where there was a piece of ground and he stood in the midst of it and defended it and slew it. Jesus Christ said that he's going to put his name upon this church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We got a place here of refreshing that's worth fighting for. You know, don't ever short-sell the church and say, you know, I can do without it. Because it's a place of encouragement. It's a place of refreshing. It's a place that has been, had Jesus' name put upon it. It's a possession that God's given us from battle. And then I I like this, and we're almost done. In verse number 22, he says, Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren. He gave a possession beyond. Jacob, or Israel here, is leaving this blessing, this bequeathment to Joseph's son, his grandsons. His obvious affection is shown to them. In verse number 10, it says he embraced them and kissed them. He loved them and wanted them to leave with more than just worldly possessions. Uh, You know, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, For God so loved the world, That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see in the love of Jacob, a reflection of the love of Christ. That he would give what was something very valuable to him, to these grandsons. And he says it's a portion beyond. It's beyond uh, what he is giving to the other children. Why? Because of his love and affection. His favor towards them, towards Joseph. You know, sadly, sadly, when we get to that place called home, there's going to be some Christians who have a portion beyond. Because of love and favor. You say, well, God loves us all. Yes, he does. But those Christians that follow after him and obey him, I mean, you you think about the story about the Pharisee who stood and, and uh, raised his head up to God and prayed and said, I'm thankful that I'm not as this publican over here. And the publican smote his breast and said, I'm just a sinner. He said, who is more justified in the eyes of God? That religious guy or that sinner over there who accepted the fact he was a sinner and trusted in God? There's some Christians today. We are eat up with pride about how good we are. And God's looking down and saying, you ain't good at all. But this one over here who hits the altar, who keeps short accounts, I'm favoring him. That's why in heaven there's rewards. It's not just a participation trophy. You get to show up, but you ain't going to get to show out because some stuff's going to be burned. Stuff that we think is precious here is going to be burned over there. And a lot of the things that we think are nothing here, or what's going to be gold and silver over there. He said, I'm favoring you above these. Who were those other ones? Those are the ones that took Joseph and bound him and beat him, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Sadly, they were children of Israel, just like Joseph was. But they did wrong by their brethren. So what, what kind of heritage are we going to hand down? Are we going to hand down a heritage that says, hey, God's been good to me. God has loved me. God has blessed me. He will be with me. He's going to be with you. Or are we going to be like those other sons of Israel? that end up with less because we do less for God. And, you know, their grandkids didn't work out so well, if you read about those guys. There was a lot of problems. Why? Well, it might have been the influence of their father, their grandfather, and what they saw them do. So what kind of heritage are we going to hand down? I want to read you a couple verses, and then we'll be done this morning. Psalms chapter 16, verse number 5. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I can stand this morning and say I have a goodly heritage and I can trace it back to my grandfather and my father and one and I believe that my children can say they have a goodly heritage because of their father and their grandfather but what will their children say about me Will I finish the course well um, you know it's interesting In Mark chapter 8, it says, For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? As we sit here this morning, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're a parent, and there's a lost soul in your family. What would you give in exchange for that? To know your grandbaby's on their way to heaven? Or to know your your, your son or your daughter's on their way to heaven? what is it worth is it worth living a life for jesus christ is it worth saying you know what that's temporal i'm going to change the heritage that i'm handing down today and move you know we 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 read this verse uh, oftentimes uh, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. And we take that to mean financially. Well, if you're not physically providing for your family, you're just a sorry bum. You can provide financially for your family and still be a sorry bum because you're losing out on the spiritual aspect, which is
0: eternal.
1: It's eternal. So what heritage are we going to hand down? Are we going to leave them with a million dollars in the bank? But bankrupt spiritually? I mean, my grandpa left me a few things. Most of them are gone. And most of them are worth absolutely nothing. But he left me with something far greater. And the heritage that he handed down to me. On his serving God. And knowing God. And following God. Than that... Camaro which is probably rusted out in some junkyard could ever mean I don't even fly anymore but I know the God of my grandfather and that's a heritage worth having let's pray father we thank you for your word and Lord we thank you that you've even given us the ability dear God to be saved the ability to to follow after you. I pray this morning, dear God, that you just would touch our hearts and instruct us through your message, oh God, we pray, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.